and seen. There are plums, John, but I think I've seen bigger. Uh, thank you, Trudy Fernbatch from the Royal Horticultural Society. And now here is Thought for the Day with the Right Reverend Dick Rouge. Dick. We've heard in the news today about the kind soul Michael Pittyman, who donated his good kidney to his lifelong best friend, Brian Merrifellow. Brian fought through the rehab, accepting the kidney, getting stronger every day as Michael began to struggle with the self-imposed limitations put on his life by only one half-functioning organ. Michael's wife, Kathy, was always there, albeit downstairs with Brian, waiting on Michael's calls from his sickbed. As she chatted and laughed with Brian, she continued to care somewhat for Michael, but she began to feel distant to him. As time went on, Michael's wife began to feel attracted to Brian and his newfound Joie de Vivre. Michael faded further and could eventually urinate only once a day, with the output beginning to resemble a ghastly ochre toothpaste as his struggling kidney began to fail, inevitably, evermore. Kathy and Brian, at the same time, completed their first half marathon, hand in hand across the finish line, raising some money for kidney research, but even more for Free and Bouncy, their local over-50s naturist trampolining society, of which they are both now avid members and co-founders. Alas, it was too late for Michael, who, shortly after the half marathon, was moved into full-time austere residential care, where he had to suffer the indignity of having a semi-permanent catheter fitted and was subjected to daily dialysis just to cling on to what was left of his so-called life. Kathy and Brian, in the meanwhile, had fallen deeply in love. This story reminds me of the Bible, and in particular, the story of Judas. How you can love and trust someone completely, who then repays your kindness with cold-blooded treachery. I think Brian is a lot like Judas, really, and maybe we should all look at those close friends and think, who amongst you is the betrayer-in-waiting, the gove in your cabinet? The lesson Jesus teaches us is to never really trust anyone, but to take comfort in the fact that the treacherous scum will shortly be swinging from a nearby tree, whilst you, albeit in a slow and agonising death, will truly live forever in God's great kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Dick. Party balloons, a waste of good helium or just damn good fun. Jermaine Greer joins us from the radio car now to give us that acerbic feminist antipathy and take on things, Jermaine. And scene. Following on from the news this week that Pui Lentils have seen a surge in sales since it was revealed that Prince George has been eating them at his school, we caught up with an investment banker from the City of London who has been embracing other habits of the third in line to the throne. So, Marcus, here we are in this charming old Chelsea church in a function room with 20 other middle-aged gentlemen. Could you tell me what you're doing here today? Yes, well, today is Plasticine Thursday, and we're about to sit down with the aforementioned modelling clay and start to perhaps create some small sculptures to give ourselves immense pleasure. And you're undertaking the activities because it's been reported that Prince George enjoys the same activity on a Thursday. Yes, on a Thursday. Um, from what we know, Fridays is painting, Mondays is sing-along with Lucy, who is his key educator, Sandbox Tuesday is really my favourite and quite stress-relieving. And Marcus, you do have a stressful job, don't you? Yes, I'm a hedge fund manager for a large international bank. I can't help but notice you're dressed very similarly to Little Prince George. 
Yes, yes, it, it, it's a tight fit, but it's uh, and it's very difficult to get an infant school uniform in a 44-inch chest with a 38-waist trouser. And those are actually shorts? Yes, just like Prince George, although I do have them now a little longer for modesty's sake. So what exactly do you get out of this Prince George school experience? Well, the sense of liberation and freedom one enjoys greatly. Uh, One gets to embrace the inner child we all wish we were, and also I quite like the naps. Sorry, the the naps? Yes, I I get a refreshing afternoon nap after a puilental lunch. We sing our going home song, traditionally the wheels on the bus. Then it's back to the grind, trading millions of everyone else's money on the international markets. Mm, Okay. And do you take any of this experience back into your everyday life? Well, um, I I love having a milky afternoon rusk as I review the day's closing positions, and to be honest, some of the counting games are quite useful too. And scene. Now, I'm going to peel the sheet back, but I must warn you, it is very distressing. In all my years as a forensic pathologist working with a violent crime squad, I've never seen a victim in quite such a state of what may be termed physical disrepair. Okay, I'm going to try and be strong. Now, now, take your time. If you feel you need to leave the room, that's fine. If it gets too much for you, just say. Uh, oh my god. That's awful. Dad, I, I can't believe. Sorry. I really need to take this. And scene. Right, everyone. So we're here today to think of ideas for our new client. They want to reach out and interact with the youth market. Their strategy is to be their customer's friend and companion, not just a service provider. So we need to know what makes young people tick. Now, Jessica, you're the youngest and you're, you're only at university a year ago. So how would you like to be approached? Oh, Steve. Us young people are often misunderstood. It's not all digital this, that and the other. As you know, I'm a typical girly girl and there's lots of ways to reach me. Okay, Jessica. Um, talk us through a few of your ideas. Be a mat, Steve. Billboards at the dog track. Posters in the kebab house that I can read while I wait for my mixed meat donna special. Okay, that's quite old school. I'm right now up here anyway. Um, we were thinking something perhaps more digital. Oh, we don't all spend our lives texting each other. If I've got something to say, I walk up to you and I say it right to your face. No messing. You'll know what I'm thinking, because I'll tell you. So you think something really direct is what people would prefer. Um, how about social media, Jessica? I don't think it's as big as you think, Steve. Bit of a misconception, that. I'm still reading ads in the newsagent windows to find possible partners or in the lonely hearts in the exchange and mart. You can tell a lot of a man by how he uses simple typeface when he's paying per letter. So you don't use Twitter at all, Jessica? Do you tweet? No idea what that is, Steve. That's what birds do, isn't it? Facebook, then. Not Scooby, Steve. It's like you're just shouting random words at me. Well, you must have heard of Snapchat. Not a clue. What's that? You send people pictures. Oh, right. You mean like a saucy postcard or something? (laughs) Not exactly, Jessica, no. Don't get it. Look, if you want to reach youngsters like me, your typical early 20s girl about tan, you got to talk our language. 
I don't want you snip talking to me, giving me Facebook messaging. Put some on the side for Lager Kang and I'll read it. Give me three pence of the bookies and I'll know your name. Sponsor a cage fight and you'll have my respect and you will be my friend. Are you still cage fighting, Jessica? Still banned, Steve. Hope to be back in time for Santa Smackdown at Christmas. Those men are having it easy at the moment. But Jessica Nutcracker Smith will return and I'm angry and I'm pumped. Well, I think we're all, we all agree here. That's been absolutely invaluable, Jessica. No trouble at all. You're just lucky you got me, as I do have my fingers on the pulse of youth culture. And scene.